Good morning, guys. My name is Mitch Fierro. I'm one of the, the shepherds on staff here. And, and gosh, I can't tell you how cool it is to see uh, all of your faces. I think the last time I was here, um, I was in an empty room uh, by myself. Well, not by myself, but with the worship team teaching. So it's, gosh, uh, what, what a blessing it is for us to be um, in community like this um, this morning. Um, as, as Joel shared, as, um, we're, we are maintaining, we're, we're staying in our, our, our series on on the disciplines. And for the last six weeks, we've been looking at uh, what we believe are probably, or what we believe are six of the more crucial disciplines uh, to have in our lives here at, at Fullerton Free. And I think Darren shared this, that this isn't an exhaustive list of disciplines, depending on the book that you're listening to or the podcast that you might find yourself listening to at this time. There, there could be hundreds of different disciplines, um, but, but we, are, we are looking at these topics um, in, the, in the context of, of our community here and, and life here at, at Fullerton Free in North Orange County. And we believe that, that these are the disciplines that are rooting us um, in, in, in Jesus. The title of this series is, is Spring Training. And it's this thought, um, as Darren's a baseball guy, um, that um, all over the country right now, really in the warmer parts of the country, like spring training uh, is, is taking place. And it's this thought that um, you, you get together before the season as a team and you begin to practice, you begin to work out plays, you begin to condition your body for the season ahead. And, and I believe that's kind of the lens that, that, that God's given us for, for this series is that um, we believe that God is doing, is going to do something cool in the life of this church at Fullerton Free. But we are in a season of, of, of preparation. We are in a season of, of, of getting ready for what we believe what God um, is, is going to do. So, so far in this series, we've looked at the disciplines of, of scripture. We've looked at prayer. We've looked at fasting um, and generosity. And, and this morning, um, we're going to spend some time looking at um, community. I think in a time like this where we've, many of us have felt isolated, and maybe for some of you guys, this is your first time uh, getting out this morning and, and worshiping with other people, and I just want to welcome you back if that's you. Um, but in a time of isolation, gosh, the, the word community almost maybe felt like a, a dirty word for some of us. But it, wherever we found ourselves during the pandemic, you know, we, we, we made it work with ourselves. And I have um, four kids at home, and so we, we have our own little micro community um, in our house. And, and during the pandemic, I, I got the opportunity to spend more time uh, with my kids as we're all we're kind of on stay-at-home order. And as I spent time with my kids and I had a little bit more margin to do, to do stuff with them, um, I, 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 like many of you, I, I returned to some prior interests or some past interests that, that I had in my life. My two older boys are, are nine and seven. And I thought, oh gosh, I, I have some time with them. I'm, I'm home a little bit more. Um, we should do something fun together. And so I thought it was a good time to introduce skateboarding uh, to my kids. And so as a 38, 39-year-old man, uh, I went to the skateboard shop and I bought myself a skateboard. I bought my kids skateboards. And, and we spent the most of last summer just learning, um, learning how to skate, teaching my kids how to kick and push and how to hold their balance and how to drop in um, off curbs. And, and I learned how to fall again. Um, but it was just a, a good time of fellowship with my kids. But as I, as I pursued um, skateboarding again, and one of the things that I did, um, I started following uh, people on social media that, that I knew were professional skateboarders, uh, skateboarders when, when, I was in, when I was in my teens. And as I, as I began to kind of look at what they were doing with their lives now and begin to look at new skaters that are, that are coming up in the skateboarding scene, I, I began to see this kind of common thread in, in many posts. And there was this hashtag that said, thank you, skateboarding. 
And as we began to kind of go down that rabbit trail and do the deep dive of following hashtags, um, you began to see story after story of how the individual was thanking this sport of skateboarding for saving their life. And some of, the, some of the stories were these grand stories of, you know, somebody getting a multi-million dollar shoe deal and being able to uh, travel the world or, or to buy their mom a new car. And, and for, for stories like that, they would say, thank you. Thank you, skateboarding. Or another story that I read is, was, was of an athlete that always dreamed of going to the Olympics. And now through the sport of skateboarding, this summer, they're going to be able to represent our country at the Olympics. And they had the hashtag, thank you, skateboarding. But when you get past those, those mega stories of skateboarding and you start to look at the hashtag and how it relates to individual people, I began to see real stories, stories that, that many, many of us could relate to. Not all of us get the opportunity to go to the Olympics. Not all of us are going to get a, a multi-million dollar Nike skateboarding deal. But some of the stories that I read were, were of just young people who, who felt as they were outcasts. And the sport of skateboarding found them a place to belong. People that, that, that felt neglected. People that felt um, like as if they didn't belong. And as they shared their stories via social media, they put this hashtag, thank you, skateboarding. Thank you, skateboarding, for providing a community in my life. And as I began to read stories like that, it reminded me of this movie that I saw a couple years ago. You guys remember movies? We would sit in the dark with a gallon of popcorn and a gallon of soda and kind of like what we're doing here. But with the, oh, well, we're, this is kind of like a movie thing we're doing right now. Um, but we would go to the movies, right? And I remember seeing this movie, um, uh, mid-90s. Uh, it, it was kind of Jonah Hill's writing and directorial debut. Um, pause. I am not recommending you go home and watch this movie. So I do not want, don't email Darren saying Mitch is um, advising that we watch bad movies because I would not recommend that movie for anybody. Essentially, it's a story of what growing up as a teenage boy in Los Angeles in the skateboarding scene is like. It's a vulgar, it's a crass, it's an inappropriate movie. But I saw it because, well, that was the life that, that I lived prior to Jesus. And in many ways, I watched it in gratitude that that was the life that, that God had saved me from. But in this movie, we, we see the story of a young boy named Stevie. And Stevie comes from a broken home. And so because there's only one parent, his mom has to work multiple jobs in order to provide for the family. And because of the trauma that they've experienced as, as a family, um, Stevie's brother has become abusive mentally, physically, and emotionally to, um, to his younger brother. And then the times when Stevie's mom is around, well, because she works so much, she doesn't quite know how to be a mom. And so she ends up spending, um, when she does spend time with her kids, she treats them more as, as friends than she does um, as kids. And so every day when Stevie would get out of school, instead of going home to his brother who would eventually abuse him, uh, he would wander the streets of L.A. And eventually he finds himself inside of a skateboard shop. And in the back of the shop, he sees five young boys hanging out. And he begins to hear them talk, and he begins to hear their stories. And immediately, he, fell, he feels a kinship to them. And the movie is not just a movie about, you know, what skateboarding was like in the early 90s and what teenage boys did in the early 90s, but really, at its core, it, it's a movie about community. It's a movie about family. And I share that story because I don't think that that desire that's, that we see Stevie having in that movie and, and skateboarding, scratching that itch, whether it be through, like I said, mid-90s or whether it be through, you know, this thank you skateboarding hashtag, all of us, all of us fundamentally have that desire embedded into us to be in community, 
to be in family, to be a part of something larger than ourselves. And that's not, that's not accidental. I mean, that's, that's, the way, that's the way that we're created. That's the way we're, we're, we're designed. And if we look at the Genesis account of creation, we actually see it very clearly in three ways. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to be spending, once we get past Easter, we're going to be spending a good amount of time in, in the book of Genesis. Um, but just for the sake of, of this morning's conversation on community, we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at the creation account. And we're going to see how you and I, as parts of that creation, um, we are designed for community. And we see it in three ways. Um, If you have a uh, a journal or you take notes, you can write these down. Um, But we see it, one, we see it in the very nature of God. Two, we see it in his design for humanity. And three, we see community in his relationship with humanity. So we see community in God's nature, we see it in um, his design for humanity, and we see it in his relationship with us. Uh, so let's look at that first one. We, we see community in the very nature of God. And if you're in Genesis chapter 1, let's look at verses 26 and 27. Genesis 1:26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock, all over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So, in, in God's very existence, uh, he doesn't exist as, as a singular being. And, it, and you, it's kind of obvious there in verse, chapter, or in verse 26, when God says, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. God is not, again, a singular being, but rather he exists. As, as the Trinity. God exists as Father. God exists as Son. God exists as Spirit. Each of them having a u- unique relationship with humanity, but all of them being fully, fully God. And in the Gospels, we, we, get, uh, we, we sometimes get pictures of how the Trinity operates, although fully God, we, we get to see how um, it operates with, with humanity. And I think one of the, the clearest pictures of that is, is in the baptism of Jesus. I'm just going to paraphrase it for the sake of time. But we see Jesus being baptized, and so with the sun being dunked in the water, rising up, and then it says the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. So we see sun and spirit. And then the Father says... This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. So in that interaction, we see that the Trinity of God, we see the Father, the Son, and we see the Spirit. And then later on in John, we, we, see, we hear Jesus talking about his, um, how he's going to um, care for his people. He's going to care for the sheep in, in John 10. And he talks about how the Father's given him those sheep, that no one can snatch them from his hand. And then it talks about how the sheep are the father's sheep and that, that the father's going to protect those sheep. But then he ends that, that statement in, in verse 30 of John chapter 10 by saying, I and the father are one. Declaring that although the father exists and I exist, we, we are one. So God, in, in his very nature, um, he's, he's relational. And in his creation of humanity, in his likeness, we are created to live the same way. Friends, the Trinity is a model for our relationships on earth. 
And I know that was a lot of theology to cover in a few minutes. And so, uh, but, the, but at the essence, we just want to see that, that God is, is community. Two, we see it in his design for humanity. So in verse 27, at the latter part, you, you, you may have caught this already. Um, in Genesis 1, 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him. And then the last part, male and female, he created them. Now that, that verse in Genesis 1 is kind of a, a, a macro view of the creation story. In Genesis 2, we get like a zoom-in uh, picture of, of God's creation of humanity. And in Genesis 2, verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living creature. Skipping down to verse 15, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Verse 21, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on the man, and while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from man, he made it into woman and brought her to the man. Friends, we are not created to be alone in the world. God himself says it. He says, it is not good to be alone. Write that down. It is not good to be alone. Highlight that in your Bible um, if you're a highlighting person. In verse 18, God says that so because it's not good to be alone, that he's going to make a helper for Adam. Now, the sense of that, that word helper, um, it isn't like a servant or, 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 or a slave. But rather, it, it's someone who contributes to the work that, that God has um, called Adam into. Remember, Adam isn't just hanging out in the garden, you know, shooting the breeze, but God's given him things to do. And so when he creates woman, he creates woman as a helper, as a contributor to the work um, that, that Adam is doing in the garden. And, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but, but when I think about the picture of community um, that I've experienced in the, in the 20 years that, that I've been following Jesus, gosh, that, that's one of the most beautiful things about community is that um, each of us, how, how each of us are uniquely made, how, how, how we're wired, how, how our different genders and ethnicities and backgrounds and stories, how all of those things shape us and form us to how we contribute to the work that God is calling us into as, as his body. Because we all contribute together. We contribute to the work that God is doing because much like the picture here that we see of Eve being created to contribute to the work that Adam was doing, church, we are created for each other. That we exist together in community, collectively contributing to the work that God has called us to. And then the third thing. We see community in, the rela- in God's relationship with humanity. We see community in the way God interacts with humanity. And it's, it's been there in these, these verses that, that we've read already this morning, and maybe you've picked up on it, and maybe you haven't. But throughout this, this creation account, God is with man. God is there forming Adam from the dust of the ground. God is in proximity to him to breathe life into him. God is close enough to Adam to remove his rib and to heal his wound and to bring Eve to contribute to the work that he was doing. 
And even ultimately, as, as, as we, we spend more time in the Genesis story, as Adam and Eve turned their backs on God, it says what? It says that, that God walked in the garden looking for them. Now, that could be a point of tension for some people because some believe that God physically didn't walk in the garden. Some believe that, that it was his essence in the garden. And really, to me, that, that doesn't matter because you know what? God was in the garden. Adam and Eve were in the garden. God was in proximity to his creation. Friends, we are designed, we are created to be in relationship with God. So we see that God models community. We see that God creates us to be in community. And he invites us or has created us to be in community with him. But like I just shared, something happens in the garden. Ultimately, Adam and Eve disobey, disobey God. And when they do that, they invite sin into the world. You see that, that, that verse that was read before we started, right? About the early church in Acts. It has like this utopian feel to it, right? That like we're all in this together and we're taking care of each other. Um, and that's a beautiful picture of what the church could look like and has looked like. But, but, but the garden, being created with God and having proximity to God, like that was utopia. That, that was the way that we were designed to live. That was supposed to be eternity for humanity. Us being, having fellowship with the Father, us having fellowship with one another together in one space. But because sin enters the scene, because Adam and Eve disobeyed God, that, 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 that community that we were supposed to have was forever torn and taken from humanity. So because of sin, we are unable to obtain on our own the very community in which we are created for. And so that, that story that I shared at the beginning of, of that boy Stevie in the movie Mid-90s, like that, that, that community-shaped hole in his, in his soul that isn't just you know, him looking for cool people to hang out with, but that's him and how he's created, longing to be a part of something. And I wonder how many of us, when we hear that story, we can resonate with it in our own lives. How many things, how many different ways were, were we trying to be a part of community? How many ways were we trying to be a part of something before we found our home with Jesus? I mean, I, I know that's my life. I, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I wasn't brought up in the church. And so I, I experienced things like, like partying and thinking that, that those were my friends, those were my people. And, and I've done things like drugs in my life, thinking like, oh, those are the things that are going to fill the holes in my soul. And I, I've found community with my friends who skateboard, and I've found community with my friends who yo-yo. That's silly, but it's true. Um, all of those things I was searching after, longing for the family, longing for the community that my soul was created to have. And it's only through Jesus, right, that, 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 that sin entered the scene. It, it, something had to happen. Something needed to be repaired in order for us to restore that relationship with the Father. And if you read the Old Testament, it's just story after story of, of God's people trying to restore, trying in their own effort to, to, to have that, that community, to have that proximity to the Father. And it isn't until Jesus enters the scene. That the Father generously gives of his own son. The Father generously gives part of himself to pay the price that all of our, 
All of us were worthy of pain because of the sin that entered into the scene with Adam and Eve. And friends, it's only when we see the work that Jesus has done and we recognize its weight in our lives and we declare him as Lord, it is only then that we can begin now to experience the community that we are designed to have. And we get to experience it today with him and we get to experience it with each other and we get the promise that we will experience it forever in eternity. So maybe now you're asking yourself, well, why? Why is community a discipline? I know Jesus. I'm, I'm here on a Sunday morning, right? I, I've, I've declared him as Lord. Uh, I, I've committed my life to following him. Well, community is a discipline because it's hard. True, Christ-like, sacrificial community is not easy. You see, guys, so far out of, out of the, the disciplines that we've looked at so far in this series, um, although we would never recommend this, all of them technically could be done in, in isolation. One could spend time in scripture, one, one could pray, one could fast, one could be generous. All of these things, all of them could be done in the quietness of our own hearts. All done in isolation. But community? Community requires investment. It requires investment from me, that I'm going to do this thing, I'm going to root myself in it, but also... It requires an investment from you. That, that you see value in community. And that you're going to invest in doing it well. In doing it in a way that's Christ-honoring. It's, it's a shared value that, that both of us have to, have to have. The value of being in and having a Christ-honoring community. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open it up to Acts chapter 2, um, that verse that we looked at this morning. And if you don't, I think it should be on the screen. And I'll, I'll, I'll read it briefly. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and, and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day all of those who were being saved. Now, I, I chose this verse to be, or these verses to be read over us because, well, it, this sounds like the ideal community, right? I mean, like if that was a church like that, I'd, I'd want to be a part of that church, right? It's this, this utopian picture where, where, where everyone is generous, where, where every need is met. People are kind and they're, they're, they're caring for one another and they're, they're, they're having, extending hospitality to one another. And it's a community that's so vibrant and so beautiful. It says that um, it just continues to grow. 
And when I was, when I was church planning, um, every pastor that I met that, that was planning a church around the same time I was, all of them used these verses, dreaming that they would one day plant a church that looked just like this. And I think it is a really beautiful picture of a church. But I, I think what we forget is when, when, when we read these, these five verses, this is just the beginning of something that God is, is starting to do. This is what we can call like probably the, the honeymoon phase of the church, right? Everyone's bought in. Everyone likes each other still. Everyone is getting along. These are thousands of people hearing the gospel for the first time, excited about what he's doing in their lives, excited about how the gospel is impacting culture and community around them. But it's not long after this, maybe a chapter, two chapters after this, that the reality of human nature and the reality of humanity and our brokenness begins to to settle in. You see, we see a vibrant church that's impacting culture. And we, what do we do? We, we, what do we see? We see culture responding. Probably if you, I think if you turn the page, we see the, the, the stoning of Stephen. Killed because of what God was doing in this church. And then ultimately, the persecution causes this church uh, to scatter. A couple chapters later, we, we hear about how, how, how greed and how, how lying creeps itself into this early church. We see a story how, how God had to deal with, with even Peter and address his own partiality, his own racism, his own prejudice. You see, this, this was, although it's a beautiful picture, there was still much work to be done. You see, friends, if you're a part of the church today, the church starting here from this point on has been a continued work in progress. And this is why community is a discipline. And this is why it is so valuable to us here at Fullerton Free. See, when we enter into a a Christ-like community, all of us, each and every one of us, has to count the cost. Does anybody know our our, our mission statement here at at our church? What's, What's the first sentence of our mission statement here at Fullerton Free? We're a loving community united in sacrifice. We are a loving community united in sacrifice. You see, sacrifice means that in order for us to love one another, in order for us to be a a picture of what community should look like in this city and in our circles and our spheres of influence, it requires sacrifice. We have to to lie, lay something down in order for us to be in community with with one another. And and, and what's that thing? What is that thing that is required of us to, to lay down, to be in community with one another? Well, if these disciplines root us in with Christ, and if these disciplines form us to have lives that reflect his lives, well then, the very thing that we lay down is the thing that Christ laid down. And that's, that's our lives. I mean, it's not the literal laying down of your life the way, the way Christ did, but for us it looks like laying down our preferences, laying down our expectations, laying down our own lives that we can lay hold to be a part of this community that we've been a part of. And this is why it's hard. 
You see, friends, we exist in a culture where everything around us is screaming, whether it be through movies, whether it be through the news or social media, everything says to have life today that it's about you. And our individualism potentially becomes the largest idols in our lives. And maybe when you hear that, that individualism as an idol, maybe you think to yourself, well, well, that's not, that's not me. But, but I just want to ask you, this is, this is a more of a hypothetical question. I'm not calling anyone out unless this is you that I'm talking about. Then, yeah, I'm calling you out. But um, what, what agenda do you bring into community? And it could be community here. It could be community um, at, at the school you go to or... Um, Actually, no, I, I am referring to Christ-like community. I'm, I'm talking about the community here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to own that. What expectations do you bring into this? Do you, do you have needs that you're putting expectations on other people to meet those needs? And, and, and I wonder what's going to happen when those people fail you. Because I, I can never meet everyone's need. The staff here can never meet every person's need. Every person that attends this church could, could never meet every single person's need. What are you going to do when you're failed? Are you going to move on to another group? Are you going to move on to a, another ministry? Or, or are you going to try out um, another, another church? Hey, maybe we're one of ten churches in your story. Maybe you've attended places prior to this and, and you've never felt your needs met. You've never felt served in the way that you needed to serve. And so instead of investing your own lives and maybe laying down some of your preferences, you, you leave. And I'm just going to find the church that, that meets my needs. In Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, Life Together, he has this quote where he says, The person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote that book just over 70 years ago. This is right before the golden age of movies. This is before social media. This is before the advent or the the inventing of, of the internet. But 70 years ago, he was calling out and he was um, proclaiming, crying out the danger that individualism has on the body of believers. Another way to say what Bonhoeffer is saying is that, um, that the person who loves their own expectations of community, the person that, 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 that lifts those expectations up over the other people, that expectation will destroy that community. Friends, this is what makes individualism so dangerous to the body. This is what makes it so dangerous to being a part of a Christ-honoring community. Individualism is, is, is the anti-community. And in the digital age where, where everything, everything about existing today is about curating a life around my likes, around my interests, about my preferences, my personality, my wants, uh, my desires. It's ridiculously easy to bring that individualism into the church with us today. I'm reminded of, of a, a commercial for when the iPod first came out. 
And in, in this commercial, there was a, a, a woman leaving her apartment building, and, and she, when she gets onto the street, uh, she puts in her earbuds, and immediately all the sounds of the community go away. And all she hears is her music. And she's dancing down the street, and she's kind of bumping into people and, like, dodging and weaving. Uh, and at the end of the commercial, it says, create the soundtrack to your life. And that's, that's, that's the, the subtleness of, of individualism. That, that it's about me. That's about creating the soundtrack and curating my life in a way that's pleasing to me. And I remember watching that commercial as, as a young Christian thinking, gosh, that's weird. Like, what about all the people on the street that you know? Like, don't you want to bump into them and have a conversation with? Or, or as a Christian, I'm like, gosh, I'd, I'd love to, you know, maybe share this music with other people and, and invite them to, to hang out and listen to it. It's just that, that, that very thought of creating the soundtrack to, to my own life is, is essentially void of, of community. Earbuds, Instagram, online algorithms, politics, preferences, all of these things, they fool us into thinking that life is about us as an individual. And when you look at all of these things through a digital lens, through the feed on your phone or whatever screen that's in front of you, it becomes even more dangerous because now your purpose, your worth, your meaning, your morality, your identity... All of it is up to you to curate. And in a time and age where more and more people admit to finding community through a screen, individualism becomes the primary danger to Christ-honoring community. In a 2017 article, journalist Chris Stokel Walker says um, in his story about church through um, digital media, he says... A separate strand of Christian, of Christian practice is booming, buoyed by the spread of social media and the decentralization of religious activity. For many, it is no longer necessity are necessary to set foot in a church. In the U.S., one in five people who identify as Catholic and one in four Protestants seldom or never attend organized services. This is according to a study from the Pew Research Center. Apps and social media, continuing in his article, apps and social media accounts tweeting out Bible verses allow private expression of faith that takes place between the person and their phone screen. And the ability to pick and choose means that they can avoid doctrine that does not appeal. A lot of people who consider themselves to be active Christians may not strictly even believe in God or Jesus or the Bible. That's, that's like heavy. Like as a shepherd, I, I hear that and I'm like, gosh, that, that, sounds, that sounds bleak. Let's take a breath together. Because there's hope. There's, there's hope because there's the church. You see, friends, when, when each of us invest and each of us commit to living life in a Christ-honoring, sacrificial community, we are given the opportunity to show our city, we are given the opportunity to show our circles a better way. But don't be fooled. This, is, this cannot happen through individualism. This can only happen through sacrifice. At this church, the prerequisite for, for Christ-honoring community is sacrifice. Sacrifice. 
It's, it's there in our mission statement that we are united in sacrifice. And Paul addresses this to the, to the, to the body of believers in Romans chapter 12. And um, you can turn there if you'd like. It's a few chapters over from where we were in Acts. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, I'm just going to read them. Paul saying, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of grace he has assigned. Paul is saying to be a part of the body, you have to present your bodies, your individual bodies, as a living sacrifice. And to not think of ourselves more highly than one another. In order for us to be a Christ-honoring community, we, we truly have to lay down our lives in sacrifice and in community. And that's putting to death the idols of individualism. And when we do this, when we allow the Spirit to reveal the parts of our lives in which we need to lay down, we, we get to experience this community that we saw in Acts. This vibrant, hospitable, generous, kind, inviting community. And again, we get to show our city. We get to show our circles. We get to show our spheres of influence what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, not only on my, in my own life, but with, but with each other. Jesus says they'll, they will know, they will know your mind by the way you love each other. And friends, this is what Christ honoring community looks like. Two brief things and, and, and then I'll close. I, I'm, I'm positive I'm over. Um, the first thing is this. Um, I've seen this in my life, especially this year. This has been a hard year, Right? pandemic and, and, and politics and family and school and just all these things piled on each other. It's been a difficult year. And, I, and I've recognized it in, in my own life and I've recognized it in my family. And so um, for the first time in a while, um, I've, I've gone back uh, to therapy. And so I've met with my, my new therapist this week and I'm kind of just sharing with her um, just kind of where I'm at, where I've been. And she's asking me stories about my life and she's asking me about some of the particular things uh, that are hard for me this year. And she asked me this question. She goes, man, wow, like you've, in your past and, and even, you know, in this, this current season, like you've experienced some really traumatizing things. Like, what do you, what do you do to cope? Who do you talk to? And I didn't even have to answer. The moment she asked me that question, it was like this montage in my soul of every shoulder that I've ever cried on. I saw every conversation over coffee where I've talked about the things that Jesus was doing in my life. I saw every conversation um, over coffee where I talked about the things that I need to give over to Jesus. I remembered all the times that, that I've just been able to laugh over tacos and donuts with friends. And all of those things and times where I was struggling, 
Those were the things that rooted me in community. And when I fully experience that and I'm fully a part of that and I see what God has done in my own life, I can't wait to lay my individualism down. I can't wait to lay myself down because I want more. I want more of that. I want that for myself. I want that for my family. I want that for you guys. I want that for our, our city. And I, just, I share that because I want you to know that it exists and it happens and we could be a part of it. So my call to action for you guys is this. Maybe you're in a community already here at Fullerton Free. In this next week, I want you to find in a way that's safe to you to reconnect or connect with that community. And maybe do just what I just did. Share a victory. Share a way that community has been able to help you during this season. But maybe there's the other side of that. Maybe there's been something going on in your heart and in your life that you've maybe lifted up your own individualism over your community. And I want to give you permission to repent of that. I want to invite you to, to lay that at the foot of the cross, to put that thing to death, to be able to enter into healthy community with one another. And this last thing I, I want to invite you into, this one's kind of fun. Um, so if you're in community already at this church, I'm not talking to you. Sorry, we'll have other times to hang out. But maybe there are people, actually, I'm confident because I've, I've emailed some of you. Um, if you're on the screen, I'm talking to you. Um, there are a lot of people that have begun attending this church either right before the pandemic happened or they only, the only thing they know about this church is what they've seen through a screen. And if that's you, I want to invite you into community here at Fullerton Free. Now, that's going to require some sacrifice from you, and maybe, you know, you're not comfortable leaving the house yet, and I get that. But if that's you, and you want to get to know some of the people that call this church home, you want to get to know what, you want to hear about what life at this church can look like, I want to invite you to, to hang out with me and a few other staff members on Tuesday night, and just to have some pizza together, to have a soda with, soda with one another, and just to begin to talk about what community could look like here. No expectations, no Bible studies, just fist bumps and slices of pizza. Like, that's all it's going to be. But that's, that's where community starts, right? Community starts over a meal. Community starts over a handshake or a fist bump. Us learning each other's names and then hearing each other's stories. So if that's you, uh, there's, uh, there should be a website. There it is up on the screen. Uh, it's also on the app. Go to that website, RSVP. Uh, so that I know someone's pointing at that screen. Oh, it's that screen. It's on both screens. Um, but RSVP to, um, to the thing. And I, I'd love to hang out with you. I'd love to learn your name. I, I'd love um, just to invite you into community here. And, and if you don't get it from the app, um, or if you don't get it from the screen, it's also um, on our app. So I'm over. Let's pray. And then we can continue worshiping this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus, that restores us into community with you and with each other. We are so grateful for that. We are so grateful that today we get to experience the promise that you promised um, Adam and Eve in the garden. We get to experience that with each other and we get to experience that with you. Lord, we ask for more of that in our own lives. We ask for more of that in the life of our church. And we pray that you would reveal yourself through that community to our city and to our circles. We ask these things expectantly in Jesus' name. Amen.